Good morning, lovely people. I'm so happy to see you here. I'm really honored to be here today and, and share this message. It's a, I'll just be really honest. Today's, today's message is deep. Um, how many of you like to go deep? How many of you like to just keep it super shallow? And just, yeah. I always say in the aquarium of life, I'm a bottom dweller. I, I like to go deep with people. I've almost died three times. So I, I really enjoy having deep conversations. I mean, I, I can chit chat and I, and I will if that's what people want to do, but I like to go deep, and I like to go deep in the Word of God. And, and in this series, the Jesus stories, it's easy to go deep because Jesus was so deep, right? And today, um, we're doing our format a little bit differently. So as you know, I've invited several different guest speakers to come up and share their new insights into this old narrative. Um, and this particular speaker is, uh, she's somebody who is very young and extremely passionate for the Lord. She is what we call sold out for God. She's, she's like 100% all in, wants to live for Jesus no matter what, no matter what he asks her to do. Um, and so I've given everybody the option, either they can come up and we can do like the conversational kind of the live podcast feel, or they can come up and just teach one of the points, and, and she opted for the second option. So um, if you would, just welcome with, with me today our guest speaker who's going to come up and, and share one of the points with us today. Her name is Hannah Velez. Would you stand? And... <laughs> Hannah's awesome. She's super cute. She's one of our illustrious youth leaders, so obviously one of my heroes. And it was so cool because first service, she literally had the entire front row was, was completely filled with teenagers. That was, that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. That was super fun. And so um, before we get started, though, I want to be really honest with you. I, I'm feeling um, there's, there's a definite spiritual opposition that I'm sensing yeah, there's some heads nodding. The discerning people are like, yep. So not to get weird, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We do wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. So would you join me in just standing against those and taking a stand um, so that there's no spirits of confusion or anything like that, distraction, anything like that? Could you stand with me one more time? You can do this. I know you, could, you, I know you got it in you. Well, Father, I just humble myself before you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, and I thank you that you've told us, God, that we have the authority over um, spirits, distracting spirits, spirits of confusion, spirits of darkness. And Lord, we just humble ourselves, God, and we just take a stand against them, Lord, and we, we um, open ourselves up to your holy presence, to your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would bring your word today, that you would speak it clearly and specifically, Lord, regardless of what Hannah or, or I say, Lord, that you would deliver your word. And I thank you that you can do that, and we bless you. We submit to you. We take a stand against the schemes of the evil one, Lord. We're not unwise to his schemes. And we submit to you and resist the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Sorry if that was weird for you, if you've never experienced anything like that. We are a church that does believe in spiritual warfare. We believe that, um, that there, are, there is an enemy who wants to destroy us. He has come to steal, to kill to destroy. And every once in a while, he, he thinks that he has the right to show up 
and do his stuff and or send his minions. And so we just cancel that. We're cancel culture. Amen? <laughs> that you can cancel. <laughs> um, also, um, just want to encourage you, again, please be praying for Ukraine, uh, praying for the people of Ukraine. The, the Christians particularly are, are taking a stand. And um, if we could just say a brief prayer for that. This is, after all, a house of prayer. So let's pray for Ukraine. Well, Jesus, again, we come before you and we thank you that you hold all things in your hands and you know all things. We just lift up the people of Ukraine. Lord, we can relate to them. Even as we talk about spiritual battle, Lord, uh, those who would come in and, and try to dominate and oppress and, and hurt. And Lord, we, we pray, God, that you would protect your church. Lord, you would protect the innocent people, God, and that you would... Um, you would be glorified in all the earth, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we get into our message today, I just want to ask you a question. Do you remember the best day of your entire life? Just think about what is the, the best day of your life. Everybody got something? Okay, now, conversely, I want you to think about the most stressed Day of your life, the best and the stressed. Think of the most stressed out you've ever been in your entire life. I was sharing a story with somebody between services. Whenever I have like stress dreams, like I have stress dreams sometimes, and they always involve my shoes. <laughs> and um, and one time years ago, um, I have actually sung for the king and queen of Norway three times, two different kings, and the last time it was. It was by myself. The first two times it was with a choir, but the last time it was by myself. And I was stressed out literally for weeks. And I, um, I started having these stress dreams. And, and the stress dream that I had, first of all, uh, was I was on this train and I was going in, it was in San Francisco at the embassy, and I was going in to, to San Francisco and I was all ready. I had on my long black formal and my bling and, and um, all of a sudden I looked down and I had on army boots. <laughs> and I was so stressed. I was very stressed. And the story that we're about to talk about today is a story of extreme stress. This is actually the most stressful day of Jesus's entire life. He is stressed beyond belief. He is so stressed, as a matter of fact, that he has this medical condition um, called hematohydrosis, which means it's, you're, you're so stressed out that you're actually sweating blood. This is an actual medical thing. It can either come in the form of bloody tears or um, a bloody nose or bleeding out of your ears. This is stressed. Anybody ever been that stressed that you were literally sweating blood? Yeah, that's pretty stressed. So we're going to talk about this. Um, what has happened leading up to this is he's done the Last Supper with his disciples. He knows what he's about to encounter. He knows what he's about to face. And, and our, our brother Peter um, is like all about, Jesus, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will always serve you. I'm, I'm so strong, and I've got this. And Peter has just denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. 
And, and I just want to just encourage you as we go into this story, you know, we, we tend, I don't know if it's a Western thing or if it's an American thing, but we tend to read the Bible um, with putting ourselves in the place of the hero. I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciples today. Because the disciples are more closely related to us in this particular story. Um, And we get down on Peter. We get so down on that poor guy. But yet, I think we're all like Peter, aren't we, in a lot of ways. And and I hope that when you hear this story, you see the mercy and the compassion and the grace of our great God in this story. Because he knows our weaknesses. So we're going to be reading the the version out of Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36. So if you have your digital uh, Bible with you, this is the New Living Translation. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and here, get this now, he became anguished and distressed. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane is a, a place in Israel. It's still there. I've actually been there. Could you, would you mind putting up the picture of that? Um, but it's the place of the olive press. And if you, if you really see what this is, it's a place where things are crushed to bring about something precious. Because olive oil was, was very precious. It's still precious now. Don't you guys love olive oil? I go into those olive oil stores and I'm just like, mm, the basil olive oil? But olive oil was, it, it comes through, a, it's, there's a price. It has to be, the olives have to be crushed. And you know, anytime the Bible talks about oil, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I think for those of us who have, are going through hard times now or who have been through hard times Being crushed releases the Holy Spirit to be able to to use us more fruitfully. And that's what this place is. And so this is is just kind of the overview, if you see it, the the Mount of Olives, the the Garden of Gethsemane. Now show the next picture. Um, When I was there in 2014, it was really profound because I was with a friend of mine and she was raised in in a pastor's home. And... Uh, there had been some people that had come into the church and started making all kinds of false accusations against her dad and against her family. And as a child, it was really, really painful for her. And there was just a lot of betrayal that took place in her life. And so here I was with her um, in this place where Jesus was to be betrayed. This was the start of the betrayal. This is the place where Jesus brought the soldiers to come and take him. And, you know, everything started in the garden, right? First of all, the Garden of Eden, that's the place of of our shalom with God, our peace with God, started in a garden where we walked with God and there was peace. But then in Genesis chapter 3, that's where the fall took place, in the garden. And now here, fast forward it, the place of the betrayal but also the beginning of our redemption started in the garden. And there's so much we can learn. I think both Hannah and I, when she first selected this story, we were, you know, we were pretty blown away by how much is involved in this story, just how much this story has to speak to us, even about our current situation. So 
Um, when it says he became anguished and distressed, I mean, this was a place where Jesus, actual Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord of the universe, in human flesh, was stressed out. Isn't that kind of a little bit of a relief to know that Jesus, too, understands our stress? He understands our burdens, and when we're anguished and overwhelmed, Jesus gets it. And there's one person here that's probably super stressed, and that's Hannah, and I'm going to invite her to come up and bring the second point. I don't think she's sweating blood, are you? Come on, could you welcome Hannah as she comes to bring the next point? I'm really excited that I get to share this. Originally, I was supposed to, I was going to share two other stories before this, um, but they were already chosen, so this is the one that I did. Um, but as I studied it and really just looked over it and just um, thought about it, it was something that was really profound to me because here we see Jesus in a point of his life where it's probably one of the darkest and heaviest moments of his life. Um, and it's where his emotions are really involved. And I think our culture today just wants to shove emotions under the rug or just numb emotions because it's easier and it's convenient and it's comfortable to do that. Um, but here we see that Jesus is examining how he feels and his desires. Um, so he starts by communicating his feelings. Um, he says to his disciples in chapter 26, 38, he says, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed. So first of all, he says, I am deeply grieved, which deeply in itself, that's deep, and then grieved to the point of death. And that is really intense. And then uh, he says, remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he falls face down, and then he begins to pray. Um, and he falls face down at his father's feet. And he says, this is where he communicates now his desire. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Um, and so in the midst of such deep grief, Jesus falls at the feet of his father, and that was super profound for me because it's like, how do you approach God when you're going through a time of sorrow or when you're in a dark time or a heavy moment? How do you approach God? Um, for the longest time, I didn't think that I saw God as my own father, but I realized that I approached God like I would approach my father, which means I simply just didn't. I liked to rely on myself and Growing up, I'm, I, my kind of thought process was, I've done this by myself before, I can do it by myself again. And that's, that became naturally how I approached God. Um, there was a specific time, it was right after high school, and um, I was just kind of in a place that was like really dark. And I was in my car and I just was, I told God, I was just like, you know what, just leave me. I can handle it. Like, it's fine. And God so clearly but gently said to me, Hannah, first of all, I'm not intimidated by you, which is really relieving because I was used to just like, 
like approaching really anyone that I felt like was a threat to me, just approaching them with my fists in the air because I wanted people to feel intimidated by me. Um, but that was like clothed and hurt, which sometimes I still struggle with. But uh, he told me like, I am not intimidated by you and I'm never going to leave or forsake you. And I'm so thankful for that because it's so easy for me to just put my fists in the air and want to fight, but God's not intimidated by that, and I don't have to worry that he's going to leave me. Um, and then a story that that reminds me of is in 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, verse 12, um, and it's actually the story of Hannah. And it says, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Um, And when I read that, I was just like, wow. Like, just thinking about pouring your heart out. Um, to God, because it's like, if you think about it, like a bottle of water, when it has water in it, it's heavy. But when you pour all of that water out and you hold nothing back, that's when you start to become light. And I think we think that trusting God looks like just going about our day and saying like, I'm just going to stay strong and I'm just going to trust God. Like, I don't have time to worry because like God is good, you know, but really trusting God means going to him fully and saying, God, these, this is how I'm feeling right now, and I'm going to give that to you, and I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, and then following, after he tells, um, after Jesus goes to his father, he says, let this cup pass from me. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he communicates his desires and emotions to God, but he does not let those emotions control his obedience and his surrender and his humility to the father. Um, um, and despite the will of the flesh, he surrenders the, his will to his father. And isn't it shocking when you realize that God's will is not your own? Like, it's like, what? Like, how could that be your will for me? And sometimes it's just like beyond what you can understand. Um, but you can come to God and you can say, Father, this is how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling I'm confused. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling betrayed. And he can handle that. And you can t- tell him your desires and say, God, this is how I would do things. But ultimately, have your way in me. Have your way in my life, in my relationships. Have your way in my brokenness. Have your way when I don't understand in this situation. Um, and that's really where freedom comes in is when you're living in surrender. Um, because if you want to live free, live authentically to God because he wants your true self, who you really are. He doesn't want who you think that he wants you to be or who other people want you to be, but he wants you to be yourself. And then live and surrender to him um, day by day. And the thing about surrender is it's not just a one-time thing. It's a constant thing. And I think we get so down on ourselves for feeling like we have to surrender something and then we have, we're dealing it with it again. Um, but over and over again, God wants us to come to him. Like he's not annoyed of that. Um, that's what he desires. And then in your weakness, if you can come to him, that's when he'll give you the strength to do his will no matter what. So, yeah. Good job. You know, it's interesting that she said that. I like, I like that she said that Job was not intimidated by God. I mean, 
God was not intimidated by, by Hannah. And in the same way, you know, I'm, I'm studying the book of Job right now in my leadership ethics class. And, uh, you know, Job's such a confusing story for people because it says, it says in chapter one, it says that in all these things, if you don't know the story of Job, Job was considered the most righteous man on the face of the earth. And the devil came to God and said, hey, of course, Job's righteous. Look at how rich he is. Look at, how, you know, his life is charmed. Of course, he's going to serve you. Let me at him. And so God says, okay. He goes, just don't kill him. And so, I mean, all kinds of tragedy comes upon Job's life. He loses all 10 of his children in one day. He loses all of his vast wealth. He loses everything. And it says, though, at the end of chapter one, it says, and in all these things, he didn't sin against God. But the interesting thing is that throughout the book of Job, he is like questioning God. He's asking God about, like, for example, where is your justice, God? I don't understand this, but it says he did not sin against the Lord. Now his friends, on the other hand, they came and God says they were not speaking on his behalf. So here's the thing about prayer and about keeping it real with God and being authentic authentic with God. When you come into prayer, and prayer is such an intimidating topic, isn't it? People always feel condemned. Please don't feel condemned. Let the, let the Holy Spirit reinvigorate your desire for prayer because it is legitimately life-changing. And if Jesus did it, we should do it. And not like I'm shouldn't on you. I mean, not like I'm you know, trying to make you feel badly. I don't know anybody that really says they pray enough. It's a, it's a constant communion. As a matter of fact, there's a, a quote in um, one of the books that we're reading in my class by Terence Fredheim. It says, it's, it's a book called What Kind of God? And the chapter is to say something about God, evil, and suffering, which is always the question, isn't it? In theology, it's always our question. But he says, prayer is a gift to human beings precisely for the sake of communication within relationship. It's in a relationship with God. And, and Job came into it a little bit spicy. You know, when he was talking to God, he was, he was a little bit kind of, what is up? And God's okay with that. He's not intimidated by that. As long as we allow him in the process to bring us to the place of, not my will, but yours be done. You can come into prayer. God can handle your anger. He can handle your questions. He can handle your disappointments. He can handle, he can handle your, your struggles. But let him soften you to the point where you believe him over your emotions. Emotions are such an important part of us. And there's, there's such a balance. You know, some people are over, overly emotional. And everything's emotional. There's not a lot of rational, and then other people are just the opposite. They're just, it's strictly rational, and there's no emotion involved. And, and we were created to be balanced. And I think that's, Jesus demonstrates this here. He's, he's keeping it really honest with his disciples. He's like, I am stressed, guys. I am, I am in anguish. Like, my soul is overtaken by stress, by anguish. And it says in verse 40, it says, Jesus returned to the disciples, and he found them asleep. Okay, so he's asked them to stay awake, right, and pray with him. He's like, hey, sit, keep watch. And who does he go to? Who's the one guy he goes to? 
verse 40. He goes to Peter. Peter, the guy's like, I will never deny you. And then he's like, oh, I denied him. Can you imagine how Peter was feeling at this point? He's sleeping and Jesus comes up and he's like, you couldn't even stay awake one hour. And I think I've always read this like as though Jesus was kind of rebuking him. But I don't believe that anymore. You know what I really believe? I believe Jesus is just saying, hey, you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You need me. You need me. You need my power. And he says, couldn't you keep watch with, one, with me even one hour? He says, keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing and the body is weak. Let me ask you a question. When you're stressed out, think about your most stressed day or think about maybe patterns of stress in your life, what do you go to? What do you turn to? You turn to drink? You turn to porn? Do you turn to overwork? Do you turn to Netflix? What do you turn to? Because Jesus turned to prayer. And you know, throughout the, today's, today's a rough day for me, I'll just be honest. Um, today is the six-year anniversary of the funeral of my husband who unexpectedly passed away. And, um, you know, over the last six years, it's been, it's been a challenge. It's been a struggle. And people will always ask me, how do you, how are you still standing with everything that's happened, not just losing my husband, but the aftermath and everything that's happened. And I just want to keep it super, super honest with you guys. It's because of prayer. And I'm not saying this in a religious way. I'm saying it's legitimately because of my relationship with Jesus. Because I start out a lot of my, my days, my times of prayer, just weeping before the Lord, honestly. Just, and you know, there's, there's actually a physiological release that happens when you weep in your brain. It actually, it, there's a chemical reaction that takes place when you weep. And so like Hannah was saying, let yourself feel. Let yourself get in touch with your emotions. Because I promise you, your emotions are real. And if you don't deal with them on a real level, they're going to sneak out some other ugly way. And most of the time, it's through anger. Yeah? Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Confess it later. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Jesus left them a second time. And he says, my father, if this cup can't be taken away, or if this cup cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And I think, you know, we go through situations and, and we're like, really, God? This? Like, this is, what, this is what I have to go through? And, and we question God, don't we? Is it just me? We question God. I mean, and, and, and to be completely frank, sometimes our suffering is a result of our own foolishness or sin, our own humanity sometimes, ignorance. Sometimes our, our suffering is a result of someone else's sin, humanity, negligence, whatever it happens to be. 
But sometimes, believe it or not, our good and gracious and kind, compassionate, merciful, tender, loving God allows circumstances in our lives that we do not like. These are circumstances we cannot stand and we cannot understand how a good and kind and just and loving God could allow us to go through things. Am I right, my friend? We go through things. We go through financial things. We go through relational things. We go through health issues. And we don't understand, God, why? I thought you were good. I thought you were my dad. How could you let me go through this? And as you come into into the throne of God, and you come in and you question him, and you say, Lord, not my will. Yours be done. That is the point at which you will find the peace of God that Carmen talked about. That peace of God that doesn't make sense. But don't turn to the other things. Turn first to him, because Jesus says, Come to me if you're weary, if you're stressed, if you're in anguish, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. And one of the ways we learn of him is like through this story in the garden where he's stressed and anguished and broken and filled with sorrow. And he's saying, come and pray. But he also understands that our our spirits are very willing. We think, when we're sitting in church, we're thinking, yeah, I'm going to pray. But our flesh is weak, and he knows that. And this is where I just, I love the compassion and the grace of God that he understands us, and yet he still invites us to come in. He still invites us to pour out our heart and to pray and to seek his face and to find him. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I was saying earlier on, um, Carmen, Carmen mentioned, the pressing, the pressure. You know, you've heard the story of the diamond. A diamond has to have so many pounds of pressure in order to be created. And, and the olives, you know, the, the oil is not released unless there's a great deal of pressure. But what happens is that when we go through these hard times, when we struggle and we are stressed and, and anguish and maybe not even understanding how God could let us go through these things, he takes that and turns it around and uses it. And I'm going um, to get to a scripture later on about that, about how God is going to use this situation in your life, the circumstance in your life, to be glorified in your life and to bring you into a new place of purpose. And that's one of the reasons we exist as a church is to help you find the purpose for which God created you. And um, Jesus in, in, in verse 44, it says, he went away to pray a third time. Okay, remember, Peter denied him how many times? And now Jesus is inviting him in three times and Peter and the other guys are failing to pray. They're weak. They aren't, they aren't capable of doing it. And I think Jesus is saying, guys, I'm doing this to show you that you need me. You can't do this on your own. I was talking this morning about, the. Have, has anybody ever been in an escape room? Anybody, escape room? Yeah, we have some fans. Um, an escape room is like, it, it's, it's like, 
life circumstances bring you into this escape room and the first thing you're doing is you're looking for a code somewhere or you're looking for a key or you're looking for something, you're strategizing. How am I, I going to get out of this trial? Yeah? Yep. I want to get out of this trial. I'm going to figure out how to do it. And Jesus is saying, wait a second. I might have brought you into that escape room for a reason because I want to change you. Not because I don't love you, but because you need to be changed for your own sake and for the sake of the other people that you're going to influence. So it says in verse 44, he went away to pray, saying the same things again. Jesus is saying the same things again. Do you find yourself praying the same prayers over and over and over? And you wonder, is God just not hearing me? Have you been praying for that loved one who's who's walked away from the Lord for so many years? And you're just like, you know, I, I love the story of the widow, I think, I think Jesus has a special place in his heart for widows. But, I, but that widow who comes to the unjust judge and she's like, hey, hey. And the unjust judge finally, because he's so annoyed with her, gets up and gives her what she wants. And it says, how much more does your heavenly father want to answer your prayers? How much more does he want to show you? that he is good and just. It says he wants to show you his justice and his goodness. But sometimes that takes that persistent, continuing to ask, continuing to pray, ask for the same thing. So what if you've been praying it for 20 years? I told you my story about my friends, Dennis and Phyllis. I prayed for them literally for 20 years and they came to Jesus. So don't give up. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. It says that he prayed the same things again. And then verse 45, it says, then he came to the disciples and he said, and I love this, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. What Jesus is saying here is you cannot do it on your own. You are not capable, but I can. And I want you to rest. I want you to enter into my rest. He says, but now my time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And this is where Judas enters the scene and betrays Jesus in this garden. And I was saying earlier, you know, there's, there's, this, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 1, and it talks about with the same comfort we receive, we will be able to comfort others. And it goes on And here. I think this is so relatable especially to the circumstances so many of us have gone through through the pandemic and just kind of having our whole world turned upside down. It's 2 Corinthians 1, starting with verse 8, and it says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Now get this, hear this. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Have you ever been in that situation where you were so overwhelmed that you literally thought you couldn't endure it? You ever been that, that stressed, that depressed, that disillusioned? I'll just be honest. I had a really difficult meeting I had to do this week. And, um, and I prayed that Jesus would come back before the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, this is basically saying, like, we, we went through so much that we, didn't, we literally did not think we would be able to survive. And I just want to give you just that hope to hold on to, 
is you can survive this. You might be so overwhelmed that you feel like, either, either you feel like, you know what? If Jesus doesn't take me, I'm going to do it myself. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they're on the verge. They're like, I can't survive anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, come unto me. Pour out your heart to me. I can handle it. Get in touch with your emotions. Get in touch with what's going on. Get in touch with your stress. Give it to me, and I will give you rest. Here he says, um, it says, we thought we would never live through it, but in fact, we we expected to die. That's how serious their stress was. He says, but as a result... I love this. As a result of this intense stress, this incredible amount of anguish, it says, we stopped relying on ourselves. And we learned to rely only on whom? Only on God, only on Jesus. As a result, and sometimes Jesus needs to press you to the point where you stop relying on yourself where you just sit down in that escape room. I don't care how much money it costs you. (laughs) Sit down in that escape room and just trust that Jesus is going to come and open that door up. He's going to let you out. He's going to show you the way. It says it, but we stopped relying on ourselves. We learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. Yes, he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Jesus is going to continue to rescue you no matter what your circumstance, no matter how dark, no matter how hopeless, no matter how defeated you feel. Even if you're on the verge of suicide, you feel like I can't even do it another day, Lord. I'm telling you, he's going to rescue you again. He is going to continue to rescue you because he is good and he is just and he is faithful. Amen? Amen? It says he is going to continue to rescue us again. We placed our confidence in him. You are helping us by praying for us. Pray, pray, pray. If the king of the universe in human form prayed, how much more? Do we need to pray? Now, this is, uh, this is not a condemnation. This is an encouragement. The only reason I can stand here today is because I have come into such intimacy with my Creator through communicating with Him, pouring out my heart to Him. I mean, there are some days, you know, I, I go walking sometimes and I put my AirPods in. I'm not listening to anything. I'm actually praying, but I want people to think that if they see me and I have the AirPods in, I'm not crazy because I I pray out loud. Pray out loud because otherwise I get too distracted, but pour out your heart to God. Cry out to God. Talk to him about your stress until he can break your hip, so to speak, until you get to the point where you're like, Not my will, but yours. When you ask him again and again, Lord, will you please take this cup from me? And he says, no, because this is good. This is good. My grace is sufficient. He will rescue you again. And it says, many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered our prayers for safety. Jesus wants to graciously answer your prayers, but he also wants to change you. 
And he wants to use you for his kingdom and his power and his glory in this world. You were not created for obscurity. And whatever you're going through, understand God is on the throne. He is sovereign and he is with you. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Pray, pray, pray. It's not a, it's not a weird spiritual concept. It's just a have it out with God. I mean, just tell him who you are. Can you do that right now? Can you just lift your hands? Lord, we, we humble ourselves. We, we come before you. Lord, we thank you, God, that, that even in those times of anguish and deep distress, Lord, we can come to you. Lord, we can pour out our hearts to you. We can cast our cares on you. Lord, we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to figure out how to get out of this trial. Lord Jesus, you are with us and you are going to bring us escape. You are going to rescue us again. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you for that, God. We just, we just surrender to you right now, Lord. God, and we just declare, Lord, our, our spirits are willing. They really are willing, Lord. We do want to come and pray. We do want to speak to you about what we're going through, Lord. You know that our flesh is weak, but God, we want more than anything to grow closer to you and to live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're somebody and um, if you have never surrendered to Jesus at all and you know that you're, you're walking um, in a life that's, empty and broken and you're filled with sin and you know you you can't stop on your own or you just you just want to be born again and you want to know Jesus I just ask you just raise your hand right now if you've never come to amen amen anybody else anybody over here amen anybody else amen well Lord we thank you for new life we thank you, Lord, that we can be born again. Lord, we thank you that you know us and you continue to accept us and you forgive us. Lord, I ask that you would increase our ability to communicate with you, Lord. We would, we would pray. God, we would pray. If it was good enough for you, Jesus, it's good enough for us. Help us to do it in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here. I love you all. We will see you next week. Go take somebody to brunch.